Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hello, guys. Welcome to the show. Sad music today. I don't know why. It's just, I like this music. I always like talking behind this music. I'm not sad. It's not a sad day. In fact, it's it's a good day. Um, this is our 100th episode, and um, I'm very excited about that for a lot of reasons. Um, I know over the last probably six weeks, the content has slowed way down, and that's you know, something I've addressed at the top of each podcast, um, you know, if you were used to having, you know, a couple a week and a lot of content, it's only slowed down temporarily. Uh, things have just uh, been really good uh, around the gym, uh, meaning we're getting more and more people in and hiring new trainers and, you know, things like that. So these are all positive things. So, you know, I got to deal with that and that's no big deal. Um, and I hate that the podcast has to take a back seat um, because I do... Uh, really enjoy doing the podcast and, and building the network that we are building. And um, I'm not going to get into the network today. That is, uh, again, all uh, I've been talking a lot about that. That is uh, real big news for 2020, right? Uh, all this new content that's coming. So I'm very excited still about all of that. Uh, I've been working hard on all the additional podcasts that will be on here. And uh, so, yeah. We should have a lot of new stuff really soon. Um, but today, the 100th episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone that does listen. Um, and it seems weird to me. Um, I know we're not a um, you know Joe Rogan-esque podcast in terms of getting millions of views or, or listens, downloads uh, per episode. Uh, but, you know, I'll take the what I'm getting because... Frankly, when you do the math per episode, we're getting a lot of downloads. I, I remember back in the summer when I, you know, made a big deal about hitting a thousand and uh, promising big, you know, more commitment to the podcast, and and I believe I did up the content production, the the uh, in terms of the um, uh, the prolificness of it a lot more just often, but. You know, sounds, music, all all the other stuff that was supposed to come. Uh, you know, we ran into technical difficulties, and we had some other, um, you know, uh, recording issues, computer issues, things like that. It never really seemed to matter. I just kept rolling with it, and and kept rolling with the content, and you guys kept listening, and we hit a, we hit two thousand and three thousand downloads, and you know, again, I know that those numbers are teeny, 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 tiny in comparison, but. For what we are and what we do, and you know who we try to reach, uh, I couldn't be happier with that. And uh, you know, like I said, I know we have big things coming, and I know that uh, what I have done, I'm very proud of, and it, it it does humble me that you guys do listen. So, I do have some content for today. Um, I I mentioned a couple episodes ago, which again I know at this point was. Um, you know, a couple episodes a couple episodes ago was a month or so, so you may not recall. But in one of the episodes, we were talking about um, the fitness industry. 
Uh, it was the episode titled, uh, The Fitness Industry Does Not Want You to Hear This, or This Episode is Cursed. I think that's the, that was the name of it. And, and it... <laughs> It did seem like that episode was cursed. I tried and tried and tried and tried to record that episode, and the player would would drop out, or it would record it in double speed, and you know, just all sorts of technical problems, or I would be interrupted, um, you know, phone calls and people walking into the studio when I'm recording, all all of these things that uh, you know would cause me to need to start over. I kept having to start over and redo and redo. Um, and in that episode, I said that I would get to a real personal episode um, for the 100th episode, something a little bit different, a little bit of a departure from the normal content. I'm currently, as you know, in, in talking about program design on the podcast, and um, the last couple episodes have been three, I think, have been about that, and um, and really this personal episode, what I wanted to do was kind of give you guys a, a, a look at, um, at at me in terms of why I make some of the decisions I make in terms of how I train people and how I program people's uh, workouts and what I choose to include and not include. And, and there are reasons for it. And, and again, this is by no means a, a type of episode where I'm going to say, this way is better, this way is not good, this way is whatever. It's, it's, I just kind of want to give you some background as to, you know, not just who I am, because you guys know who I am, but why I, I do, the, do it the way I do it. So, for example, you guys might know, um, or might, might not know, um, you know, I, I, I went to uh, University of Kansas. I got a, an undergraduate degree in exercise science, studying athletic training and strength and conditioning, and then you know went right into athletic training first. And I was personal training on the side and doing some strength stuff with with the athletes, uh, and then transitioned out of athletic training. Just yeah, you know, just like the strength and conditioning, personal training side more. But in the meantime, I got my master's degree and. I'm all but dissertation on my PhD, um, and I've studied a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in and around exercise science and biomechanics. And I say that to say that I've read a lot of books, I've read a lot of research studies, and I've had over 20 years practicing in the business. And it's weird sometimes when you think about how I still sometimes you know find it hard to call myself an expert or think of myself as an expert and, and and the reason is I know I know what I don't know and I know what I'm still learning right I know that I don't know everything and I know that there are a lot of things I can still learn to continually improve you know science changes all the time research shows that you know new things are uh, coming and and you know we should always be open to change and adopt how we how we uh, how we practice. However, there's one thing that that has stuck out over the last few years in particular, and and it's because I've been more aware. But I don't know if you if you guys ever experienced this, but one of the things that I really 
valued when I grew up is, you know, I kind of took the, not just the textbook, but the professors teaching me, um, yeah, I kind of took what they said as gospel, you know, uh, they knew they, they were where I wanted to be and they're the ones teaching me. And, you know, you know, I didn't do a lot of research into who they were and what they've done. You know, they were just, I knew KU had one of the top exercise science programs at the time. Uh, I really don't know if they still do or not. Uh, I think they do. I think they're still pretty cutting edge, but I know back then, um, they were one of the best. And that's why I went there. That's that's the main reason I went to KU. And I learn a lot of things, and you read a lot of things in books, and then you know you forget not to forget them, but you know you get focused on one thing or another, and doing it in a certain way, and things become comfortable and familiar, and you you, you don't always use every bit of your knowledge. You know, I, I play guitar as well, and there's a, there's kind of a saying or a a, uh, it's a fun, funny kind of description of you know people who have been around a long time, and it's an endearing you know compliment. Uh, they they say uh, yeah this guy knows or this guy's forgotten more chords than I'll ever know, you know implying that they've been around this so long they've done so many things that they they're just a master at it they they have forgotten more than most people will ever even learn and. I feel like there's a lot of that in my in my history here. Again, I'm not saying I've no I've forgotten everything and I'm not saying I know everything, but what I'm saying is one theme has come back around all the time. You guys have heard the expression, you know, what's what's old is new. You know, when when things cycle back around and there's there's fashion trends that were, you know, trendy 20 years ago and now they're coming back into fashion and you know it happens in in every industry and and all over the place it's not unique to just fitness but one of the things that I find in the fitness world is that we have trends we have things that come out we have things that uh, we see all the time Um, and then there's some things that are are um, you know gimmicky gadgets and um, you know fads if you will that come and go and sometimes they're just repackaged from you know some things that were popular in the in the in the 80s or or set or 90s and they're kind of coming back around but through it all it's all about you know finding a base strength and finding what works for you now we've talked a lot about on this podcast when you're training your clients to have you know a personal touch to it, but you know giving them um, these nine principles of personal training. If you adhere to these nine principles, it doesn't really matter what your program is, um, you know what the goals are. That is, they have to it has to have these things to be good long term. Now we know that you can have programs that don't adhere to all nine, you know, but they're those programs are made for a specific purpose, not for the full lifespan right? I've written many of those kinds of programs. But in order for a program to be successful long-term, it's got to have all of these things. And one of those things, or I think a big key in those things that's not in one of those nine principles that I would like to add, maybe a tenth principle, is, is keeping things basic. You know, 
I mentioned the other day the what got me or what gets me online with the online marketing is is the selling of all the gimmicks, all the supplements, all the proteins, um, all the pre workouts and BCAAs and all that stuff. And people are just selling this product and that product, and whether they use it or not, that's how they make their living. They're, they they work out, they look good, they sell a pro or they sell a um, a supplement, make some money on that, um, and you know, I, I told you I that that just always gets under my skin. It's it's not about that. I don't I don't think that that's if that's what you're doing to try to get people to buy your programs. You know, if you really use that product. It shows, and people will want to know, and people will seek it out. In other words, if I'm using a certain protein powder, and let's say people love my programs, and they like my content, and they like the way I look, or whatever the case is, they're going to ask, hey, what are you using? And I might say, oh, I use this, this particular protein, and then, uh, you know, then they'll go buy it. And I might even throw out there that I do use this. But if that protein company approached me, you know, you should only represent those things that you do actually use and that you do actually feel work. And that's that was my problem is that I think a lot of these people get approached by things and they they just throw it out there to make some money and you know see what sticks. Um, because if you look back at some of their profiles, they were using a different one a while ago. So it's like whichever one's going to come their way and give them a few bucks while they sell their product until that contract runs out and then they move on to the next you know fittest person or hottest person online well one of the things that and that that was from the 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 nutrition side of it but one of the things from the exercise side is there have been so many things you know so many exercises that you see online um if you guys follow our instagram page i made a post last saturday about um, one of my athletes who is a baseball player who's trying to get faster, and he has. He's doing real well. Um, but one of the things that frustrates me is that when, you know, when I post things or when I get asked, you know, what are you doing with them? You know, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you doing that? You know, you see all of this stuff out there for, you know, speed work that's just all, you know, gimmicky looking things or things that are really hard overly complicated things that make it make it seem like if you're not doing this you're not this is cutting edge this is a whole new way of looking at speed and i'm not saying that there can't be a new way of looking at speed you know research will show us but that's just it research needs to show it it can't just be cool sexy looking on on instagram and so I just made a simple post about, you know, I do use bands, I do use ladders, I do use plyometrics, of course. But those are my, those are the skills, those are the tools I use to kind of fine-tune things. The real reason people get faster is because we're getting them stronger. You know, again, I am a strength and conditioning coach. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a speed specialist, but I think a speed specialist should tell you that... They'll get them stronger first. Now, again, exercise selection may vary from coach to coach, and that's okay. That's personal preference and experience for what works for them. And, and, and you know, to some degree, what you know, speed uh, as, as opposed or in relation to what sport. So that, the exercise selection, will, will that's a whole other ballgame. But getting them stronger. And that's, that's one thing that I've always 
kind of come back to. You know, when I say what's old is new. You know, all these functional movements that you see out there, all of these um, crazy, wacky, jumping around, doing all these these nuts kind of moves for the sake of being hard, or a strength coach trying to invent words, trying to invent exercises, um, or take existing exercises and adding new names to it, or making it sound overly complicated and, and describing it in such a technical way that it gets people, you know, thinking, "Oh, this is great." It it frustrates you because when you try to, you know, write a program that looks relatively simple or straightforward, well, this doesn't have all that stuff I see online. How come we're not doing that? And then they don't think that you are an advanced enough coach. And so over the years, you know, those things used to bug me, of course. You know, I always wanted to try to prove that, no, I knew what I was doing and that I was confident what I was doing. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I think with age and wisdom, you you don't worry about those things too much because you do know it works. And if your clients, uh, the clients that you do have that stick with you, if they're trying to get faster, they get faster. If they want to get stronger, they'll get stronger. You know, that's that's the thing. We, We do get results. So... Like I said, it, it's hard sometimes to look at yourself and call yourself an expert in your field or or try to make it sound like you know better. And I don't necessarily know better than everybody or, you know, most people even. I'm not claiming that. But I, I do know a lot. And I do know that the work I've put in and what I've studied in my books and what I've studied in my classrooms and with my professors in 20 years in the business has given me an insight. Training is not that hard. And what I mean by that is it's hard work and it may seem hard for you to put together a program. That's fine. But if you're a trainer, it shouldn't be that difficult to put together workouts for your clients that that work because there are some basic stuff that if you're doing, they'll get results. It doesn't have to be tricky. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be, you know, all of those things that you see on on Instagram. And in fact, I you know I get more and more frustrated with that stuff when I look because it just it's there's people even people with the CSCS and master's degrees and, and PhDs in exercise science it doesn't matter what they have. They're trying to get likes. They're trying to sell their programs and they're trying to do it. What they're not doing is representing the results that their clients are getting, the real results that their clients are getting. And I understand in a social media world that may not be what people want to see when they start scrolling their Instagram feed. And I get that. I, I, I'm not so naive that I, that I can't see that. But I can tell you this. It is one thing when I sit back at the end of the day and I, and I again, I'm trying to give you some insight of where I'm coming from. I, I remember back to what I read. And what I learned from my, you know, experience and what I learned from my uh, professors that that taught me. And, and, you know, and all the continuing edit I've been to along the way. But the thing is, when I'm looking at these things, when I'm thinking back about writing programs, sometimes I get caught up in like, oh, well, that seems kind of basic. Well, you know why? Because it works. Because that is what you need. And I look at making decisions or, you know, I look at, you know, you get in ruts and you forget some things. Um, like for example, uh, keto is a good example. I remember reading a lot about the ketogenic, 
not the ketogenic diet, but but ketosis and and uh, um, all of these things back in my exercise phys studies in undergrad and in graduate school. And you know the the general rule is that was through the lens of exercise science, right? People trying to exercise, people trying to get a certain uh, performance out of their um, work. They're they're trying to change their body for a sport for performance. And generally speaking, that was not necessarily looked upon that favorably. I remember you know not not thinking like oh you you want to avoid that, especially you know. There's a lot of endurance athletes, a lot, a lot of things like that. You want, you need carbohydrates. You need, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, then, then research, you know, it's like, well, research says this or this or that and that and this and this and that. And now keto is the best thing in the world. And again, I'm not knocking people who do keto. I'm not saying it can't work for you. What I'm saying is, you know, it's easy, even if you've read this and understand this to, to think, oh, well, shoot, I need to get back. Or I need I need to you know um, I guess change my opinion on this, or I need to start doing everything keto because that's what's popular now, or put out a keto version of a meal plan you're putting together, or whatever. But the idea is, you know, trust your gut. If you remember reading something and it didn't jive, and you remember reading it in a negative light, then maybe you were wrong. Maybe you've learned more since then. Go back to the source. And I think that's the crux of what I want to get at today. I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to give you guys some insight of why I do what I do and how I do what I do. A lot of times I get caught up in all the latest trends too. You know, things that look cool, things that I'm like, oh yeah, I can understand how that would work or whatever. Or I might want to try that. And I go and I research it a little bit more. And every time you do that, you're going to either validate why it's good to do. You're going to read something and say, oh, Shoot, you know what? I remember reading that. I had completely forgotten about that. Or you remember it a certain way and you go back to double check and you're like, yeah, no, I knew that was, you know, this this article was, you know, a load of crap because of this. Or this this guy doing his exercises this way is, is kind of wacky and here's why. So the moral here, and I'll wrap it up here soon. But the moral is that you don't want to get caught up in what's what's new and shiny without giving it its due diligence, right? If published research is coming out in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning or uh, you know Journal of Athletic Training or you know what, whatever it comes to you know a nutrition journal, all of these things that come out. If you see these things and they don't make sense to you, or if they do make sense to you, don't forget you you've learned this stuff somewhere. You know, the textbooks can change. I realize that. And as I get older, I don't necessarily have to go back and reread the original text that I have because that was almost 30 years ago. So I'll get new versions of the text that I used to use, or I, the the, mo the latest textbook, what's out there, what's being taught, because that will give you at least a basis uh, of, oh yeah, okay, this is what that is, and you'd fill in little gaps, little pieces. So going back to that guitar analogy, you know, you may have learned how to read music when you were in junior high when you took guitar lessons, and you forget it now, but you go back and read it, and it comes back pretty quickly. So don't forget to go back and look at that stuff. That's kind of my secret. That's kind of what I do. Uh, 
I have a library, a vast library up here. Uh, I'm up in my studio right now. I've got books upon books. I have books everywhere. Um, some old, some new. But these books are, are there as resources for me. So when something comes up and it looks kind of wacky and they're using terms that like, oh, I remember reading about that. What was that? And then you go look. Oh, yeah. Damn. This is why. I, you know, If your BS alarm goes off, go look it up. If it looks cool and you can understand why they're doing it and a good application for it and it, see if it fits, you may not have to look everything up, but don't forget to do that as your resource. And I think that's a big problem a lot of people have is they they're, they're, they don't want to admit that, oh, well, I have to, you know, let me go reference that. Let me go read that because you can't retain everything. And so... I go back, let me tell you, let me give one more example, um, and then I'll wrap it up. You guys know, uh, who work with me, that I don't push a lot of supplements. And why don't I push a lot of supplements? I'm not anti-supplement. I don't, I don't think you, you know, I don't think people should, should not use supplements. What I am is using supplements in their intended form, when needed, only when needed. And I, and I got that way because when I, I remember reading something a long time ago, and I remember I was at a, um, a seminar, and a guy was telling me something about, um, I was probably 21, and he was talking about, you know, taking supplements and how great they were, and um, it just, something didn't sit well with me as he was giving his presentation, because it almost sounded like, you know, he got his results with his athletes because of the supplementation. And again, is that, a, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. But what, what struck me was, okay, what happens when, okay, this, these are athletes going for high-level performance. They need every little you know, tweak we can do, right? Okay. But in the general population world, if I push that out there to people that this is it, this is the key ingredient, the real key ingredient, which is hard work, gets lost in the shuffle. And I made it my philosophy a long time ago, not to not push supplements, but to never represent supplements. In other words, you don't see in our gym a line of protein shakes or a line of BCAAs or anything like that. I'm not saying you shouldn't take them. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying we don't push anything like that. And trust me, Chelsea and I have both been approached a bazillion times you know, to, to represent you know, supplement companies and what have you. And we don't because we want people to know when they come in here and they start getting results, it's because of the hard work they are putting in. And again, and a little bit selfishly, the programs that we are writing, the help that we are providing them, that's what's making it work. Now, if that person needs a supplement to reach a certain goal, okay, fine, but we start with the good sound nutrition first. That's always the, the starting point. And that will never change. But, but from, from our standpoint, we, we don't want, you know, every post to have a shaker in it with, you know, a sponsored uh, protein in there. And I understand some people, you do that to, and they make a little money. And if they truly believe in it or if it's their product that they developed, absolutely go do it. Again, if I took a protein powder or any supplement and I felt it really made a huge difference and that was the one key thing that did make a difference, 
I'm not saying I wouldn't promote it. I'm not saying it, I, I would never, ever do that. What I'm saying is I made a decision early on in my career to not do that because I wanted people to understand that they could make some healthy habits on their own and it's their free will and hard work and desire that are going to make the difference. The supplements are there to help tweak things here and there. And when you get to a certain level, they become a little more important potentially with athletes and high-level performers. So that being said, you go back to what's out there in the in the world right now in the fitness industry, and it's all supplements. It's all you know this and that and the other thing and crazy functional exercises and it's the hardcore. It's you gotta everyone's got to one up each other to get their piece of the pie and, and get their their selves noticed. When there are a lot of really good trainers out there putting their nose to the grind, just making stuff work. And I respect hard work. And maybe I'm old school, and that's fine. I like that. That's a badge of honor. You call me old school. Good. But I, I, I definitely don't. I don't think I'm a stubborn old man that's resistant to change. I'm thinking, you know, every time I go back, every time I start to think maybe I'm outdated, maybe I need to change some things up or or add this, add that, maybe I do need to come around a little bit more on just pushing supplements or doing some crazy wacky exercises because that's what seems popular and I want more attention. You've got to remember your philosophy, your morals, your values, and why you started in this business in the first place. And so I've passed up opportunities, sponsorship opportunities, and, and other things like that. Not because I'm so much better than anybody else, but because I want my clients to know that when they see results, it's because of their hard work. And that's it. So, there's my secret. That's a little insight to me. I do my research. I look things up. And when something doesn't look right, or if I'm not 100% sure, or if I just like, you know what? I need to double check. Go back to where you learn things. Go back to those mentors. Go back to wherever and get clarification. Because, you know, sometimes you hear something and then, you know, you don't put it into practice right away and then when it, you need to recall it or something triggers your memory, I'm like, oh, I remember hearing about that long ago. Yeah, I, I, when I started teaching, that was a real eye-opener because I remember teaching some chapters and there were some little tidbits in the chapter that uh, I was reading, you know, say in anatomy or, or exercise science class that all of a sudden was like, oh yeah, I totally had forgotten about that. You know, it may not be something I needed every day in my day-to-day -day routine, but it, it was something that triggered something in me that, oh, I, I got to remember to say this when I'm explaining X, Y, and Z. You know, like when we're trying to explain how our program works, our success formula that we have. I always started out with a little exercise science talk about um, short intense exercise and things like that. And I gave a brief explanation of why I do that. But sometimes when I'm teaching or when I was teaching, I would say say something or I would be prepping my lecture and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to remember to put that into my little spiel and that will make it sound not better, but it will clarify things a little bit more. I knew what I was talking about, but 
trying to relay that information or it's validation for what you've been telling everybody. You're like, you're, you're reading it again and, you know, having a quadruple, fifth, sixth, seventh time to read through this. You're like, it just solidifies those things and it helps you understand the information even better. So don't be afraid to do that. All right. Hope this wasn't a soapbox type episode. I wasn't trying to, to rail. All I was trying to do was get um, a... Uh, um, get a uh, <laughs> little bit of background of, you know, maybe why I never push supplements, why you never hear me talking about that, or, or uh, you know, some programs seem straightforward in terms of uh, the progression and the exercise, because it works. It's tried and true. There are some things that are out there simple. You don't have to go crazy. We can keep things minimalist. I, mean, I I could we could scale things way back. In fact, my the the baseline program that I my very first program that I ever sold, the lifting in Larryville baseline program, which I still use to this day for a lot of clients, is about as basic as a program as you can get. It's got five movements in there: squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, bent over row, and pull ups. So six. So, uh, you know, though that's it. And again, it has a specific purpose. It's not one of those lifelong programs. So it doesn't have all nine. It doesn't have a lot of variety. It doesn't have a lot of... um, I guess it's pretty much got everything else. It doesn't have a lot of variety. Okay, fine. But it's meant to get people from point A to point B. It's a a bridge-type program. Baseline strength. Resetting. That sort of thing. Keep it simple. Do your research. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you so much. 100 episodes. See you for one-on-one really soon.